guys, today is Tuesday 9th November and the time is 11.04. I have already started to record this like four times already and I can't seem to get past a certain point because I get a bit too embarrassed or feel like I've overshared even though um, I feel like it's really normal to speak about what I'm going to speak about. Anyways, I'm going to be speaking about my anxiety diagnosis and basically things that I wish to accomplish over the next year um, in my kind of recovery or my overcoming or something like that. So in case I haven't already spoken to you guys about why I even do this podcast, um, is basically just exposure therapy. Um, my anxiety has always limited me from doing things that I want to do and this is kind of a self-driven exposure therapy treatment style because I think way too much about what people think of me which in turn makes me doubt everything that I'm doing and isn't good at all. I'm going to start really quickly by giving you guys a background and a timeline. So I've had anxiety symptoms of anxiety since I was quite young so about five six years old I've had like the main symptoms of anxiety fast forward to age 13 um, when I was 13 14 that's when I got my formal diagnosis um, and then when I was 15 and 16 I got re-diagnosed with a specific type of anxiety and um, now I am 20 I got diagnosed with another disorder which I won't be going into detail about I don't think at least (laughs) but long story short um, all three of my diagnoses are heavily linked to each other and um, have impacted my life so much but I haven't really ever gotten professional help for it in the beginning even though I was formally diagnosed pretty young most people get their diagnosis when they're 15, 16, and I got mine three, four years before the average person does. Um, and I, I've had the opportunity to, you know, make progression and get help. I just haven't availed it, and that's totally on me. Um, for the most part, I have been stable throughout the ages of 13 to 20 now. However, there's been times where I've been really bad with my anxiety and have isolated myself from life in general. And I'm trying to not do that anymore. (laughs) Oh my god, I made myself laugh. I'm really trying not to do that anymore. Um, I can't remember if I already covered this or not, but basically, yeah, I didn't really get any help. And um, what I did do, however, was... I'm really determined every single time, or I was really determined every single time to get myself out of that mental space and for the most part it worked extremely well and I would get myself out of any bad place myself without speaking to friends or family about it um, because I just didn't want them to get involved if, the, if, if, if it was something I could actually control. But as I've actually gotten older that's that's become something that hasn't been too good. So background on what I do professionally, for those of you that don't know. Um, my first job I was, or my first like proper gig, was volunteering at a charity shop called Thames Hospice. Thames Hospice is a charity that collects money 
for um, the hospices that they run for end-of-life care and long-term illnesses or terminal illnesses care. Um, in order for me to work at that charity shop, I worked there for about six months. Um, actually, I think it was nine months. But either way, I I worked with a lot of people that had um, mental illnesses and learning disabilities, or both. And because of that reason, I had to get certified. So I got a general certification over there for mental health and learning disabilities. And then after I did my first year of A-levels, I got an apprenticeship in a health and social care environment. And I worked there as a business admin while also studying for my level three. However, um, part of my contract was that I would also be working with service users. So I worked in a facility that basically helped adults that had learning disabilities and mental health conditions and for reference the mental health conditions were moderate to severe so um, anything from generalized anxiety diagnosis to severe schizophrenia or anti-personality disorders and um, I then progressed like from doing my normal level three qualification I actually also am certified in the care certificate which is basically a certificate that you get for general health and social care um, work guidance, I guess. It's like one of the most standard things that you can do to work with adults that are on the spectrum um, of both LD and MH. Um, So I, for about a year and a half, I was continuously working with adults um, that had these conditions and I learned so much about mental health that it I would be here all day if I started talking about it but what it also did was a lot of the things that I had been diagnosed with prior to coming to this job it really heightened them up because I hadn't ever really um, looked up my different diagnoses and saw the different treatment patterns I could go through and saw the different symptoms that I was experiencing as a result of it. Um, It really opened my eyes up to so many things that I had completely dismissed previously. One thing I also realised really, really quickly was if I was to ever help people that were in a vulnerable position that were facing mental health issues, especially things like bipolar, or schizophrenia um, and OCD, those three, I dealt, one of my main service users I interact with had um, bipolar disorder and I would help them through both manic and depressive episodes and a part of their treatment plan was obviously to get counselling and therapy, um, psychotherapy in particular. And I realised that I can never help people out unless I've actively Not that I can't ever help them out. Obviously, I was trained and I was good at my job because I do have a certain level of emotional intelligence. Um, But to be able to do my job better, I needed to understand for the process of diagnosing a disorder or a mental health issue was like, or learning disability as well. And what it felt like to have therapy or counselling and the therapy and counselling part really freaked me out because um, I was always too scared to do it I was 
I've always been really good at managing my symptoms. Um, only a few times have they slipped out of my control and I've had panic attacks or something like that. Otherwise, I've been generally good at disguising, disguising it in general. So the thought of me having to expose myself to someone that didn't need to know was really scary. But that also put into perspective what my service users were feeling. Um, so yeah, after I finished that job, after a year and a half of working there, um, I really, really felt like I was just missing the, missing something. Like I really needed to um, get help. Um, one thing about therapy and counselling that I've realised is sometimes it doesn't help to get counselling when you're in a crisis mode um, and it only helps if you're willing to do it any times I was previously offered it I declined or I would just flat out lie that I was okay because I was so uncomfortable with it you have to be in a mental place where you want to or you even if it's uncomfortable you know what you want to speak about otherwise it's not effective and about someone being in crisis if someone is so extremely low on the emotional radar in my experience with the service users and everything they're actually likely to be more triggered by the therapy than anything else you have to make sure that the person is stable for treatment otherwise they're going to decline treatment or actually um, like i just said it's going to trigger them even more into harmful behaviors now that i've started counseling therapy or whatever you want to call it um it's been probably the hardest thing i've ever done um i have i went into it thinking that i didn't really need to work on anything else because i could already control my breathing patterns i was already going getting back into things that um, normally cause me anxiety i was already combating my triggers I went in there thinking like I had majority of it sorted and I only needed to work on 10% of things but I actually now having been doing it quite regularly for a little bit of time I've realised that it's the complete opposite and I was suppressing it rather than confronting it for the majority of my whole life. All those times I thought I was in control of a situation I was just feeding my anxiety and it kind of got me to a point that now I'm 20 and I've had a formal diagnosis for seven years and I haven't I haven't done a thing about it for for basically seven years and um, I'm at a point where I've disguised it so much that I'm almost immune to some of the effects it has on me some of the physical effects it has on me which is so shit that I can't begin to imagine if anyone is doing that like just suppressing their emotions or pretending they don't exist there will come a time where it comes back and haunts you in the worst possible ways like you get to a point where you actually just feel empty where you feel numb because you've suppressed it so much that the feeling of anxiety feels normal like there's no there's no distinguishing between a state of normal and a state of anxiety um, because the definition of anxiety is an emotion or a feeling that enables you to do something that you want to do where it restricts you to do something where it limits your capabilities um, 
and when you get to the point where you've suppressed it so much that becomes your personality and you can't distinguish whether whether you do have an issue or this is just you naturally these are just your limits you know um because you you've taught yourself how to behave in a certain way now moving on to the part which i actually wanted to see speak about about things i'm doing to actively combat this um some of these things i started absolutely years ago and some of these things i am doing more recently so um i'll i'll give examples as well so one of my main triggers of anxiety has always been sports <laughs> which is extremely ironic because i absolutely love sports so much um i've always been sporty mentally but when it comes to actively participating because of my social anxiety i do get a bit scared and which is why i wasn't ever really able to join clubs at school um so one of the things that i did was i found a sport that was really self involved um wasn't really team participating so i would go and would have the responsibility to show up for myself rather than for anyone else um so for those of you that don't already know i do boxing also what when i'm saying this i haven't done boxing in like 6 or 7 months now because of covid but it is something that i keep going back to um when i have i i have relapses of thoughts i would that's how it how i would explain it when i feel like i can't go back to boxing or my boxing club hates me or i'm not good enough and things like that and that's like my thought process normally um but i always force myself to go because i know that the moment i step into it i'll be fine um as 5 minutes into a session i'll be like buzzing and i'll be hyped and everyone will be so supportive and everything so one of my ways i've been combating it over the last like 4 years um since i started boxing is to just go and literally just chuck myself into it whereas with other things that cause me anxiety i haven't had that approach and i've been easing myself into it so for example i get a lot of anxiety when i am late or when someone else is late um i feel the need to control the situation if someone is late which is why if anyone meets up with me i'm always there like 15 minutes before half an hour before we are even due to meet and i'll just be hovering around like a lunatic um but with that what i've done is to limit my thought processes for example if i was meeting up with a friend the first time i meet up with them i'll get to the place half an hour before the next time i'll go there like 20 minutes before then 15 then 10 then 5 and then i'll come right on time um and i i can't remember what the clinical word for that one is but basically you ease yourself into a situation and last but certainly not least the third way that i've been doing it is via exposure therapy so this one has been probably the toughest out of all of them so exposure therapy is a lot like the first one where i'm just chucking myself into the situation but in 
in my particular cases of exposure therapy I'm doing things that I continuously feel uncomfortable with whereas with the boxing after I do one session the next time I go I feel more relaxed and then I feel more relaxed with it with the level of exposure therapy that I'm doing now it's not necessarily like that I'll put myself in a situation which I would never do in a million billion years a situation which I probably don't want to do and then I wait and I I wait for my anxiety to bubble up and then do the affirmations and calm myself down mentally myself and tell myself that it's okay so example of that is for example the podcast I'm currently rambling on and recording um it gives me a lot of fear to think that people will listen to this it also gives me a lot of fear to think about I've got people on my priv that I don't actually speak to that I would be scared that are judging me continuously that may have listened to this but I don't know another thing that I recently did with exposure with exposure therapy was go to an event where I didn't know anyone on my own that was probably one of the hardest things I've done um so I went to this event that I literally didn't know one person um I wasn't friends with anyone I went on my own I got dropped off I stayed there from 6 6 p.m till 12 a.m all on my own and it was to be if I'm being completely honest I really don't know how I didn't get a panic attack or an anxiety attack I don't know how I didn't freak out um but it was it was really good that I did it because although I had like 90% of anxiety the whole time um I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would especially that I didn't know anyone I went to a music um event and you know like people were dancing and people were talking and socializing and having food and I I went there on my own like imagine me just being sat there on my own when I first walked in I was so awkward I literally didn't know what to do with myself I was clenching onto my clothes for dear life and like I said with the timing thing I got there a bit early so I was kind of hovering the first thing I did was just kind of smile at someone. I made conversation with one person. She was nice and she, you know, spoke to me back. And then it came to, you know, sitting down. The acts were about to start, the first musical performance, and there were some chairs and things. And the person that I was sat like next to before, pre the event starting, they went and sat on the chairs and I kind of followed them and I was like, okay, I'll just sit with them. I was just speaking to them. I literally sat down next to them and they got up and they left <laughs> because I think they they were waiting for someone else, which I don't know. But um, yeah, I didn't really leave a seat, which was kind of stupid of me. But anyways, which was so awkward, but I pretended like I didn't notice and I just continued on and it was good. I was really scared. Of the event organizers I actually did I had spoken to her online a few times so we hadn't ever met in real life which is why I'm saying I didn't know anyone so she came and said hi and she recognized me and she t- she checked up on me like a few times during the thing which was nice of her because obviously I was there alone um, and then 
a few people just kind of saw me standing and hovering and I think they like one of them they came up and her name was Persia and she was like to me oh are you here alone or I wasn't sure if you were waiting for someone and I was like no I'm here alone I wanted to come I didn't have anyone to come with so I thought I'd just come anyways and she was so nice and I stood with her for a bit and chatted and then she kind of moved on to other people and I kind of hovered again um but anyways like my night went reasonably quickly like I was there for from 6 p.m. till 12 a.m. so that's 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 like six hours basically I think just under six hours probably but even five hours it was a long ass time to be on your own at a social event where everyone knows each other um and after I came back I, I was I still had a load of like anxiety as well but I was so relieved <laughs> I was so 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 relieved I did it um, because actually that gave me a lot of confidence to do a lot of other things alone. Recently I've also developed a fear of going onto public transport on my own which is so ridiculous because I can't drive so how am I meant to get to places if I can't take the bus or the train. But anyways that was like a step forward and I hope I can like you know continue to do this sort of thing but um when when you're actively trying to combat something like this it is so much harder to do it yourself than to suggest it to other people because i remember um even now um i do a little bit of work with refugees that come in that need you know just someone to speak to um, and because my licenses or my certifications are still in day, I'm able to speak to them from a not a clinical perspective because I'm not like a doctor or anything, but from a trained perspective on the topics. And all of the things that you learn in your trainings of what to say to people and things, um, I've been trying to say that to myself, but it is so much harder when you're saying it to yourself because when I'm saying it to other people I fully believe in their capabilities but when I'm saying it to myself I continuously doubt myself as to what I can and cannot do Um, I I use a lot of self-deprecating language as well which I always tell other people not to use and you do fall into these patterns where you tell other people that you know you shouldn't do this and you should do that but you don't really implement it yourself so over the last like few years since well I guess ever since I've started working um, I've just realized the importance of actually putting yourself into the other person's shoes getting as much knowledge and experience about a topic that you're helping other people with because the more knowledge you have the more you're going to help them and yourself so I'm hoping like in the next year next like 10 years I get to a point where I'm stable enough where it doesn't my anxiety doesn't overrule my life and my other diagnoses also don't overrule my life I feel like I've been talking for a very long time but um yeah (laughs) I actually want to just end off this recording by just saying that anxiety is one of the most commonly diagnosed um 
mental health conditions and there's a reason for that um it's one of those things that can affect you without you knowing that it's affecting you um when you are training in or when you work in like health and social care or anything like that one of the first things that you actually learn about is the difference between anxiety and depression although both are extremely extremely common to be diagnosed with the reason why they're different is because you often fall into depression because of anxiety but you don't have anxiety because of your depression um because anxiety is a enabler and a depression is a result of something um or you know like an emptiness or the sadness that a prolonged feeling of sadness because you haven't been able to do something in a lot of cases um and anxiety is also underdiagnosed in the sense that people don't know when anxiety is a normal anxiety that our body has just like adrenaline or is it a enabler is it restricting me from doing something that i want to do because both of them are so interlinked that sometimes you need um someone you know external to tell you if it's really you know hindering you in a way if you're suffering from it i also want to touch on medication really quickly um i i personally don't take medication at this point in time because i don't feel like i need it but i also get anxiety thinking about the fact that i may need it so that's a whole different issue that i have however i'm not embarrassed of medication and i don't think anyone should be either i think there's a lot of taboo with medication of if you go on it you'll be on it for the rest of your life and you won't ever come off it that's just not true you you have the ability to get onto something and get off of something as long as you have professionals guiding you through it and you have a support system and you have not only the mental capacity but the mental endurance and strength to understand and aim for goals of getting off like medication or getting on medication you're going to be completely fine um one of the things i struggled with a lot was when i was getting more of my physical symptoms when i was younger of anxiety um i wasn't i wasn't able to like stop shivering for example or i'd get out of breath or find it hard to breathe because um i i was just processing information so fast and i got beta blockers as a initial thing to you know calm it down um beta blockers are used for so many different things in the world um they use for people that have high blood pressure as well because all they do is calm your heart rate down and they kind of like doze you down um so if if you ever feel like you know you don't want to be called antidepressants to manage anxiety or depression or anything there are actually other options for you you do, you just need to explore a little bit and also you don't you don't need to be on medication to find treatment finding your triggers finding the root cause of what what your anxiety is and why you have it in the first place i promise you that does wonders for literally anyone um you know you you find out through the therapeutic process 
or even deep analysis yourself of why you have anxiety and I find it fascinating personally but that's also because I'm also in that industry and that's like I just like that sort of like stuff I find it interesting but it's really really validating to know where your anxiety comes from if anyone is struggling with it last and certainly not least (laughs) if anyone is struggling um, and would like to know any recommendations or constant services or ways to reach out especially now we're at an age where we can't even you know we're not necessarily in schools and things um if you're at university every university has a crisis team that you can reach out to that specializes in mental health if you're self-harming um they can help you out if you um you know need assistance in any other sort of way um they can help you out in on campus on university if you're not at uni if you're out um you know at home you don't want your parents to know your gp is always your first bet you need to tell them exactly what you're going through one of the first things that they'll give you is an anxiety test a depression test you know speak you need to speak to them extremely candidly about your experiences um and then of course you have charities like mind samaritans um the youth mental health line you know all you have to do is google it um and then the last option is counseling you can either refer yourself off of the nhs website you can do it privately um you can literally just go and i think it's called british what's it called british psychiatry psychiatry or something like that british psychology um counseling or something like that literally just google it and you get a shit ton of private counselors all you need to make sure is that they're properly registered with the um associating authorities and then obviously there's like apps and there's mindfulness and things like that just don't don't go on to tiktok and follow those videos of if you have these symptoms you might be depressed or you might be you might need to be diagnosed with anxiety it doesn't it honestly doesn't work like that because oh my god i feel like that's a topic for another podcast that those those videos do kind of piss me off sometimes because they really lead you to believe that you have something wrong with you even though you don't they make you feel like you have every single disorder in the world when you don't um and you may do but you need someone professional not someone off of tiktok to tell you anyways i'm gonna stop speaking now because i've been speaking non-stop for like half an hour and yeah thank you so much for listening i hope you have a great day night or evening um afternoon whatever time it is and i'll ramble again at some point soon